Ladies and gentlemen, it's lightning round. Of course, I am Kevin Topkins, Britt Flynn, Andrew Cooper. We are talking rookies. Not not your typical, not your Malik Willis's, not your Garrett Wilson's, not your, your first round crop. We're going to be diving a little bit deeper. And of course, we got our good friend, Mr. Matt Hicks of Rookie Big Board. Matt, my friend, we had you on last year. We had to bring you back. How are you, my friend? I'm doing fantastic. I appreciate y'all having me back on here. It's always a good time chopping it up. Absolutely, hundred percent. I'm ready to talk some. Uh, it's it's. We talked about some rookies last week, and we're we're just keeping on the theme here. Uh, had to bring in somebody that's absolutely abs- way smarter than than anything I could ever conjure up uh, as far as some of these guys. Um, Britt Coop, how you guys doing? I'm good. I made notes. I'm ready to talk about these rookies. You know, getting prepared. But the first two pages are about a Monroe St. Brown. I can confirm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was right about him last year. So, you know, maybe maybe somebody in here is a hidden gem in my notes this season. <laughs> I'm doing fine as far as podcasting in the middle of the night goes on the East Coast. Probably <laughs> should probably just coast right into uh, alarm after hours. Maybe I'll hit up uh, hit up those guys call in. You know? Yeah, let's do it. As you can see, I'm I mean, very, I'm very pleased about the about the, the <laughs> scheduling of this. Of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cry about it a little more, Coop. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to talk about some rookies here, uh, some animal draft prospects. Uh, two draft here in Dynasty rookie drafts. Um, we've pretty much covered all like the first round guys last week. Um, so let's dive in a little bit deeper here. Um, one of Britt's favorites, and we'll, we'll just we'll kick off with uh, Desmond Ritter of Cincinnati, um, who we're, we've talked about the Malik Willis's, we talked about the Matt Corrales, Kenny Pickett's, all those other guys. Ritter seems kind of like the, the the forgotten quarterback almost in this in this quarterback group. Um, you think he should be that that fifth consensus quarterback, Matt? Or um, what are your thoughts on Ritter as far as his uh, NFL prospects? You know, I think it's interesting with this year's draft class. You know, there's definitely a, a tier one, and I know folks want to kind of break those guys up a little bit in terms of Corral, Pickett, Willis, and Howell. But you know, I do. They're all in in a tier for me right now that are that are you know going to be determined by draft capital and landing spot. And then, you know, for me, it's a tier of two. It's Carson Strong and Desmond Ritter in, in terms of the next guys up. And I like Bailey Zappi plenty, but I, I think in terms of guys who have a real potential to have fantasy impact, it's Carson Strong or Desmond Ritter. And when you're looking at those two guys um, in terms of passing ability, in terms of anticipation, um, you know, putting the ball where it needs to be, you're going to lean towards Carson Strong. But where you're going to lean towards Desmond Ritter is if you're going to be a little bit more excited about athletic upside, a little bit more excited about um, the ability to at times place the ball well downfield, put some zip on his ball in the short and midfield. Um, but you know, I will say transparently with the excitement for Desmond Ritter comes a lot of frustration when you're watching this tape. I'm glad to hear you say that for you, draft capital landing spot matters, you know, especially with quarterbacks, because when you really think about it, like we do the best we can, as far as, you know, watching the tape, uh, you know, following along with this process. But at the end of the day, you know, scouts like, Greg Gabriel said that the most important thing to him is the character evaluation for his scouts, going, talking to these people, talking to their coaches, talking to their friends, seeing what they know. You know, we're not privy to those conversations. We're not in the interview rooms. And with quarterback, that's more important than anything else. So when I hear the things coming out, you know, because obviously we're not, we're getting all secondhand, but they say this guy's crushing the process every step in the way. He's increased his draft stock. 
Now, if he goes in that position, I have zero qualms about moving him up as high as my QB one, I you know, QB two in a four point passing where you got to give respect to the running ability, right? On Malik Willis. But I mean, who am I to say that this isn't right? Because I watched a bunch of tape on Josh Allen and, you know, I watched him, you know, air mailing passes and not really putting up the stats. And, you know, the, the league came out and drafted him early and he struggled early with the accuracy, but turns out he's amazing. So who am I to say that these guys are wrong? You know, so that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, but I'm really interested in, in what Mrs. Britt Flynn has to say. Because, Britt, <laughs> I know you've been on Desmond Ritter. Kind of you, you kind of a little Desmond Ritter hipster, are you not? You were on there before it was cool. I think so. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed what I saw from him at the combine. He's super fast. You know that four five two forty for a quarterback. Um, and in my earliest mock draft that I did, I actually had him going even above Malik Willis. I had him going number nine to the Seahawks, which is crazy. To but if you look at it, like obviously, like you said, Coop, he does have all those intangibles, and he seems to be crushing this interview process. Um, he also has very fast reads going through his progressions. Um, the inaccuracy is there. Um, but then he also has that ability to break away and turn scrambles into chunk plays, which as we've seen, you know, with quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts, for example, that's huge in fantasy. So I think if he does go to, you know, a Seattle, even like a New Orleans Falcons, maybe um, someplace like that where he could immediately start, I would not hesitate to take him like as a QB one out of this class. Yeah. I like why. Yeah. I, I mean, he ran the fastest 40 out of all the quarterbacks uh, four or five. So, I mean, clearly, you know, fantasy, the name of the game, you want your Konami code quarterbacks. I mean, is he going to run as much? I mean, I've seen some stuff where he's, you know, uh, he's going to be that kind of Konami code quarterback that, that can, you know, his, he's had accuracy issues as well. So, I mean, it really remains the scene, you know, landing spot matters. So, um, you know, he's been a four-year starter. I mean, he's um, very interesting. I mean, I don't know if he should be behind those top four. I think he should kind of be in league with them. But as we know, a lot of teams need quarterbacks. You're going to see probably four of these guys go. Ritter could find his way in. I mean, in in rookie mocks, he is going on that one-two turn. He is going, you know, at the end of the first, at the beginning of the second. So, I mean, that's about where Justin Herbert was going. He was going in that kind of range. And, and now look at him. I'm not calling him Justin Herbert, but, you know, you're looking at that. You don't have to have those top five rookie picks to be able to get a guy, especially in a super flex, where he could be a, maybe a long-term starter for you. It's definitely interesting with Ritter. Yeah, I mean, I think Coop said it best, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, it's important for me to, to do the analysis, put my projections out there, and, you know, I factor NFL draft capital into my, my uh, ranking of these players even now, my projected uh, draft capital. But uh, at the end of the day, we have to listen to what the NFL tells us, right? We we have to, you know, stick to our convictions to some level, but we have to be willing to be flexible and adjust. So, uh, you know, if Ritter ends up going right now, you know, I'm sitting there as QB5 for me in that uh, 20 to 50 range, uh, 20 to 50 overall range, which is where I'm still projecting him to go. But, you know, to Britt's point, if, if he goes off the board at nine, we, we've got to pivot, right? We've got to adjust and take that into account. So, you know, certainly one of the guys I, I think will be uh, a little bit more 
on the edge of our seats uh, to watch uh, and, and how we're going to adjust right now, because you're right. He could, he could shoot up from a, a 203, 204 super flex ADP to 106 almost overnight. And then how do we adjust to that value on the fly? That's going to be fun in rookie drafts. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's pivot over to running backs and uh, a guy that I actually been drafting a lot of um, in underdog drafts um, where, you know, we can still draft those rookies. Uh, Rashad White out of Arizona State. Uh, definitely good size. Um, very productive at Arizona State. Um, as far as these running backs, we know the Brees Halls, we know the Spillers, we know the Kenneth Walkers. But um, does White have a claim to that fourth running back um, out of this class? Yeah, you know, for me right now, he's my running back uh, five. Uh, now, running back four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I mean, it's a close group, right? Uh, you know, White's fun. He's really electric. He beats defenders with speed. He beats them with athleticism. He's super elusive. Uh, he's really great uh, in, in close space. He's got great lateral agility uh, and, and a mean jump cut, like some really fun, some really fun tape from Ashad White. Um, you know, lacks a little bit of that pure downfield acceleration, uh, lacks a little bit of that strength and contact balance. You know, he's really looking to juke people out of his shoes. So it'll be interesting to make sure he lands behind a, an offensive line that can create some space for him because he doesn't necessarily have that um, consistency in, in creating his own space or, or operating when there's not so much space behind it. But, you know, it, it almost sounds like a cop-out, but, you know, when it comes down to Rashad White versus Jerome Ford versus Amir White, a lot of it's going to be, you know, what volume can we project early on? Because we know how quickly dynasty players get bored, right? And so if our running backs don't get volume early on, uh, they're going to lose value pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, as far – oh, go ahead. <laughs> not, not everybody at once. I heard the breath, and then I was like, is it going to go? What's happening? I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, like, Rashad White, he's the kind of guy that, you know, I, I'm right with with Hicks on this because it's like you start looking at comps that people are throwing out there, and everyone wants to jump out to the best-case scenario, right? It's like I'm seeing Matt Forte, David Johnson. Obviously, that'd be amazing. But what I like to do is look at the comps that the people that don't like him have. And sometimes when I see those comps and they're like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to be Jamal Williams, I'm like, well – you know, like, given how many guys just flush right out of the league, like, he's not being comped to Samaj P. Ryan or, or like, you know, Bishop Sankey here. Like, I, Jamal Williams as a floor comp is pretty good. You know what I mean? Uh, Kenyon Drake is a floor guy. He's going to be in the <laughs> league. I mean. I'm like, yeah. Floor comp, these floor comps, I'm like, I'm like, that's a bad thing. I'm like, I think people are discounting the fact that, you know, uh, after the first round, the second round hit rates are what, like 30%? I mean, we're talking like mm -hmm. once you get farther, we're talking about like ten percent. You know what I mean? So Jamal Williams mm -hmm. is a hit for fantasy football. So if that's your worst comp, then I'm like, all right, fine. You know what I mean? If we're talking somewhere between Jamal Williams and Matt Forte, I'm on board. But again, it all boils down to kind of landing spot and and what goes on there. But I will say, there's once you get to this next group of guys, because we already talked about like the Brees Halls, like Brees Halls, awesome, right? Everyone, everyone seems to to agree that he should be pretty good, and he's he does a lot of different things. Once we get into this comp. I'm looking for guys that do the things that I like for fantasy football. I don't play standardly. You know what I mean? I'm not looking for the next um, you know, Jeremy Hill. Thank you, Kevin. Exactly. Jeremy Hill. I'm not looking for the, for the next uh, Alfred Morris. You know what I mean? So w once you get into that range, like this is the kind of guy where he has, you know, he's over 200 pounds. He's fast enough. Uh, you know, if the draft capital is leaning spots there, what more can you ask for? So I'm perfectly on board with 
Rashad White. And this is the kind of guy where if I'm doing underdog best ball and I'm taking a stab, why not take this kind of stab? Because, you know, he could go somewhere and do something. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. And the, the reason I threw out Jeremy Hill so quickly was because that I, when I'm looking at running backs, you know, I want guys, I mean, he's a big guy. He can catch the ball. Clearly that's what you want. You want guys that can do, you don't want the one trick ponies. You don't want the Jeremy Hills. These are the guys that you want that can catch the ball that has some utility. So, okay, maybe he's not going to be going into a role, but is he going to be involved in an offense? Can he be involved in an offense day one? Absolutely. So, um, you know, while he may not get the capital you might want, he can still work his way in and, and find a role immediately. And white is a guy that certainly has NFL size at six foot. Uh, I think he's like two ten, two fifteen. Um, you know, so I think he caught 45 balls this, uh, last season at Arizona state. So yeah, that's absolutely a guy I want to be able to, uh, at least take a flyer on and, uh, uh, consensus. He's going about middle of the second round, uh, right now, mm-hmm. according to DLF. So, um, yeah, that's a guy I absolutely want to throw a dart at. Yep. You guys honestly took all the words out of my mouth and, uh, all my notes, but yeah, at Arizona state, like he did have that three down workload of carries and catches, um, and it was, it was actually pretty incredible to see what he could do with that. Um, like y'all said, he's not that fast when he changes direction. So it's a little bit easier for him to get tackled if he just tries to barrel down the lane. But um, I really like that that side-to-side versatility that he offers when he does catch passes. And if he ends up in that right landing spot, I mean, he could be wills up. When you held your notes up earlier, I actually took a screenshot and I'd just been reading off those. So that's why uh, that's why right after Matt goes, I've been trying to jump in before you because I'm just copying <laughs> your notes. <laughs> You're quick with that print screen, dude. Oh yeah, I got it right up here. I think I'll tell you what she's gonna say about uh Brian Robinson eventually. Yeah. Um so yeah, Alabama guy running back, Brian Robinson. Um, you know, I He's not the most dynamic guy, but the dude's a tank. Um, I mean, he's 23 years old, so the ageist, um, you know, already has him behind the eight. I mean, Rashad White's 23 as well, so um, you know, he's. We're not exactly gonna call him the, uh, you know, old elder statesman here of any backfield, but uh, Brian Robinson, what are your thoughts, uh, Matt, as far as um, at least mid-round value in the second, maybe even dipping into the third, depending on. Uh, draft capital, at least in rookie drafts. Yeah, I like Brian Robinson a ton. Uh, you know, he displays really tremendous explosiveness off the line of scrimmage. Uh, for his size, it's almost ridiculous how well he moves. He is a really good athlete for his size. Uh, he, and he has a dangerous second gear as well. So his explosiveness isn't just off the line of scrimmage. Very clean cuts, uh, good footwork. And he plays big. Uh, he's not afraid to take on uh, uh, SEC defenders head on. He's got good lower body strength, fights forward through the end of the plays. Uh, and listen, you know, certainly if you care about breakout age like you referenced, then you're going to kind of scoff at Brian Robinson. He never necessarily had, uh, well, you know, up until this last year where he put up 1,300 yards, which I feel like was the most quiet 1,300-yard season in the, in the world, by the way. Um, but he's been around a while. <laughs> if you think about all of the running backs uh, that Brian Robinson has played behind, I believe in, in 2017, uh, that was Brian Robinson's uh, freshman year at Alabama, I believe Alvin Kamara was on the, the Crimson Tide that season. Um, so that's kind of how long uh, Brian Robinson's been hanging around college. And you'll remember that 
uh, Kamara did transfer from the Alabama running back room, but he's he he's waited to get on the field, but he's waited behind some really impressive uh, running backs. So it, it's not like he's sitting around at a uh, you know your your uh, your directional random directional school. He he's he's playing in, in a good running back room, and when he got the opportunity to be the dude, he played very well. Yeah, I mean it's it's always tough with the Alabama because it's like you know Damien Harris and Derrick Henry and and you know uh, all these like they're they're always loaded so it's just nobody gets like you get don't really get to see the full workload for any of these guys almost but um, you know I think the big thing for me is kind of one he could end up going somewhere and being a plotter type which that does concern me a little bit right like going somewhere and being a team's Gus Johnson right that. That would be concerning. He's, I mean, he's got the size. He's that type of guy. And then again, the other thing is the age. You know, like with Rashad White, at least he's got the profile to potentially right away be uh, that kind of guy. What if he does end up going somewhere and being the Alexander Madison on that team? Well, Alexander Madison is the same age as him, 23 years old, and he's going to be a free agent soon. And it's like, do I would I rather trade for an Alexander Madison? who I could probably get for like a second round pick or whatever, or am I going to draft Brian Robinson with a second round pick? And it's just, I don't know. Sometimes it puts my head in a pretzel with these, these situations of what we're looking at, but if he goes to the right spot, then I, then I could be interested. One spot, one landing spot that we talked about last week that is kind of interesting is the Eagles where it's like, if they bring somebody in and they, and Miles Sanders is the pass catching back. And then they say they move on from Miles Sanders. They don't want to pay to keep him. That's how you go from being this early down kind of bruiser back into being a full-time back, which if I can see a path like that or kind of project that kind of thing, then maybe I'll go that way. It's just these are the guys that scare me. I mean, we talked about Jeremy Hill and Alfred Morris. I mean, I don't know. Something about this guy kind of, you know, I just feel like a team could end up using him that way. You know, I don't know. I don't know what you guys think. Well, he doesn't have – he's not a great pass catcher. He doesn't really have great hands for the pass, which as opposed to like we saw with Najee Harris, he can do it all. Like Najee's the every down back Robinson played behind Najee, but then he didn't come out in that same kind of role that Najee had. They kind of split it up. Um, As far as like the bruiser back, like, yeah, he put up 204 yards against Cincinnati's, you know, top defense in, in the playoff game. So he does have that power, but depending on again, where he goes, if my rookie draft is before the actual NFL draft, I'm a little hesitant on taking him because I don't know uh, how it's going to end up. But um, if my draft is after, then okay, I can assess. And like, he definitely does have that upside, but um, yeah. What do you think Kev? Yeah. He seems like a guy with just a wide, wide range of outcomes. Um, He could either be like a Chris Carson type where he could fall into like a job like that. I mean, from what I've seen of him, he has a really high strike zone. Like he carries the ball high. So that doesn't fly in the NFL. That's going to lead to turning the ball over. And then you're never seeing any daylight. So that's, that's the one thing that I have uh, some issues with in, in Britt, like you said, he's not the greatest pass catcher. So um, it's, he's almost just entirely landing spot dependent for me. Yeah. And I know we talked about draft capital. One of the things I've been uh, trying to uh, encourage folks to think about when it comes to Brian Robinson, uh, you know, I feel pretty confident he's going to be a day two selection in that uh, day two late range. So picks 50 to one Oh two, 
he's carrying the Alabama pedigree. He's got the size. Uh, he tested well athletically for his size. And so, you know, I, I know age um, and, and, you know, late breakout are, are things that the fantasy folks uh, like us kind of scoff our heads at sometimes, but the NFL doesn't care uh, as much. So it'll be really interesting to see, like, does he go to Houston at 80? All of a sudden he's relevant, right? Or, you know, does he end up um, Las Vegas at 86 where he's one injury away from being relevant? And we know running backs go down in the NFL. So um, those are the kind of things I'll be watching for with Brian Robinson. But you're right. Wide range of outcomes for sure. Yeah, I'm fully with that move. Like, especially once you get into this group where it's like sometimes the landing spot's all you need. And sometimes, especially if your league's active, you can just go for the straight pick and flip. You know what I mean? Like he goes somewhere and he's a starting running back day one and everyone's looking at their rookies and they're like, come on, do something, you know, like you grab a guy like that, flip him for a future second and kind of re-roll the dice later. I mean, sometimes you just got to pull those moves. So in the third round, I look to do that often. You know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm. looking for guys that are going to play right away. Uh, you know, even I'm on Ross St. Brown, maybe just grab him, flip that guy before uh, the team, the rebuild starts, he turns back into a pumpkin. So, uh, there, I got my Amon Rossi round reference in for this show. Only two more, yeah. and then we're good. Put a dollar do, do in the jar. Wa- do we want to roll the clip? It's a no. <laughs> it's a lengthy clip. All right, that, yeah, it's twenty seconds, but it's everybody wants to talk about Amon Ross St. Brown on Twitter, so why not just bring the conversation here? Um, let's move on to another running back here, Tyler Algayer, who. Uh, BYU guy, uh, ran a four, six forty, but still a smooth and productive runner. Um, what are I know he's kind of faded into the background when we're talking about the, uh, Zemir whites and, you know, Rashad and, um, you know, Robinson like that. So, um, what, do, what are your thoughts on Al Geyer, uh, Matt? Yeah, you know, he, he's an interesting back, you know, he's certainly powerful. He displays some really good upside on his tape. A good pop off the line of scrimmage, bursts well into the second level of the field. I think he's kind of definition of a downhill runner. You know, he he will build momentum well, uh, but he's kind of slow off the line of scrimmage. Um, and he really lacks breakaway speed. You know, um, I, I think for me, I was always somebody who was a little bit lower on Algier. So I, I kind of always had him in that late, you know, mid to late third round rookie value range. Um, he, he was building momentum there for a hot minute. Folks had him as a top five running back. Um, and I was just waiting for the combine to come around because I knew he wasn't running a good 40 time. And he actually ran a better 40 time than I expected. I, I, you know, I, I might've thrown out some Elijah Holyfield, uh, references, um, before, before his combine, but he didn't run quite that bad. The, The thing is, um, for me, he didn't look overly dominant like he looks good on his tape but he doesn't look overly dominant for the fact that I watched him play against uh, Louisiana Tech Utah State uh, University of Alabama Birmingham right I I think his his uh, toughest opponent was Arizona who I think had like two wins uh, in in 2021 Um, so you know it's he's always just been fine for me Um, and and I think there's always been folks who have liked him more Uh, he's sitting there right at running back 10 uh, you know, I think he's going to get probably mid to late uh, day three draft capital. So, you know, I think he's just going to be a guy that kind of hangs around and, and you never know, uh, you know, maybe stash on your taxi squad or if you're in a deeper league on your bench. So I think you nailed it there. It's like that is exactly the way I feel. And 
there's a couple guys like him, like uh, Algar's one. The other one's Kyron Williams that you can use as like a barometer when you're looking at these other analysts, right? To figure out the people that are like just true film guys and like already made their decision up back in, you know, October watching some game on Saturday. They were just like, yeah, this is my guy. You know what I mean? Like, cause there's some people like, you know, I think pro football focus is one that has him like RB4 or something like that. But then I go and talk to the guys from player profiler and they're like, yeah, those guys are obviously off the board now, right? Like just completely off the board. I think I, uh, when I was uh, looking at something that like Larky was putting out there where they're, they're like, these guys are just complete dust now to those guys, you know, but they're so metrics oriented. So he's going to be a divisive guy. Uh, not even just landing spot wise. Like it really is going to show who in your leagues, whether you're playing with sharp people or whether you're playing with people that just kind of follow what other people are saying, you'll see who follows who, because if some, whoever takes Kyron Williams, they don't care about the combine. Whoever takes Justin Allgaier, they, they don't really care as much. Right. So you kind of get a beat on uh, what kind of players you're playing with based on who's taking these guys and who isn't, um, you know, for me, I'm right there with you, Hicks. Like, you know, there's enough Philip Lindsay's floating around up there for me to take a guy that is just like, you know, just okay. You know, I'm, I'm once I get beyond the guys that are like locks, I'm trying to take stabs, you know, so I'm not trying to rack up a bunch of these guys that are just going to be around. So I don't know. Britt, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree completely. I was actually a little shocked in a couple of these underdog drafts that I've done, um, just how early he's going ADP wise. I'm like, why is he ahead of so-and-so? And it's because of all this hype. Um, and if you look at, you know, his stat line, oh, he had 23 touchdowns. He led, uh, like set a record for carries or whatever. But again, like Matt said, when you look at who he played and when you look at his pace of play, he's not that kind of every down back guy that you need in the NFL. So I'm personally staying away from him. Um, I hope that I'm wrong because I want everybody to succeed and all that fun stuff. But um, yeah, I'm not, he doesn't excite me. I mean, games against Idaho State, Georgia Southern, and UAB, like, are you not entertained? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really watch college football. I watch <laughs> – I watch. So I was not entertained. I was uh, – you know, I, I heard about the guy. I, I, I do watch some games. I watch her enjoyment. But I, I – and I go through and look at and watch some film and stuff to confirm – some things that I've already read, seen, seen the math, some other things, but it's just, you can't watch every single player and you can't compare every single player to the competition they're playing. It's just like, feels like a, uh, a fool's errand to try and watch every college football game and then turn around and say, Oh yeah, well this guy ran for 200 yards. It's like, yeah, dude, fucking quarterbacks are throwing for 60 touchdowns. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what you're telling me. You know what I mean? Like, I look at the stats and I'm like, this guy ran for nine yards of carry. How did this team ever punt? Why did they ever punt the ball? This guy, you know what I mean? The guy's getting the first down every time he touches the ball. What the heck's going on over there? You know, how are they losing? And I mean, the scores, they're putting up 70 points anyway. So I guess they're not really losing. It's just college football is, I'm sorry. I'm just not a college guy. So I'll stop ranting. That's, that's my rant for now. Well, there's such a disparity in between, you know, the power five and then, you know, even parts of the power five, there's such a disparity. And then you get down to this lower Syracuse. <laughs> I, I, hey, I think she said give some five. respect to Sean Tucker though <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I, I'll tell you what when it, when it comes to Algier though like one of the things that I, I want folks to consider if, if they want to if they're interested in in him right 
um, that you know you're probably going to be drafting him early third round. That's kind of I think where he's going to go off the board. And the way that this year's class works, I think there's still some really good depth and really good value at the wide receiver position. So for me, I, I'm not going to have any Algier because instead of reaching at, at a lower tier of the running backs. I'm going to lean into guys uh, who are going to be hanging around like Bayless Jones, like uh, Wandale Rob or not Wandale Robinson. Sorry. He's right next to Khalil Shakur, who I do like on my rankings that I'm reading off of. Um, and so, um, you know, guys like that, I'm going to be more willing to lean into as opposed to chasing a, a running back for the sake of having a running back. Exactly. Dude, go for upside. <laughs> like, why are you collecting this like stones with moss why are you collecting more zach mosses in general like we don't need this guy Good, exactly just go for upside at the point of the draft so <laughs> <laughs> had to drag zach moss <laughs> i was, I was, I was already on kate michelle on here in like two weeks bro. I, I was already that, talking mosses so i just figured that, that out man has a family a synonymous moss I have, like that's a comp though i don't see why it wouldn't be you know so this is what happens when you keep coop up late apparently <laughs> Yeah, I'm oh just del- delirious, dude. But no, 100%, man. I couldn't be like, that's what I was saying. I'm trying to say, you said it a little more articulately than I could. That Just go for upside at that point. Dude. Why? Yep. We don't need this guy in your bench, clogging up your bench. So. Yep. Next guy. And I'll um, I'll defer this question from our good friend Axel to Matt uh, while we're on running backs here, and we'll kind of wrap uh, running backs up with a bow here. So in deeper leagues, your thoughts on Connor Hayward, James Cooker, or Damian Pierce? Yeah. Um, out of those guys, James Cook interests me the most. You know, um, Cook, Cook's fun. Um, I don't know if, if you know, but he's related to Dalvin Cook. I swear, it's like yeah. every tweet I see. I'm like, dude. Um, but, you know, I, I really think he needs to be on the radar, especially if you're playing in full point PPR, which I think, you know, personally, I think you should be. But uh, he has really good hands. He's often featured in that pass catching role for UGA. Uh, displays the ability to hold on through contact. He runs effective wheel routes, um, you know, angle routes. Um, and he does well after the catch as well. Uh, and, you know, he's not, you know, I'm talking about a guy who who is going to contribute to the passing game, but he's not small. Um, he, that's just kind of the, the niche role that he was asked to play at Georgia. So for folks who may not know, like Georgia's just a running back factory. And not only do they churn out consistent running backs, uh, they bring in four or five star running backs, you know, every year. Um, but they're just not a high volume offense, right? They don't throw the ball a lot. They control the pace of play. They slow it down. They rely on their ridiculously stacked defense and clearly it works. Right. So, you know, you, you have to, at times take context into account and wonder why uh, James Cook doesn't have an overflowing stat box, but you know, I, I think he will probably capture late day two, probably late, late day two draft capital um, and just kind of be a, a plug in piece for an offense. So, at that point, we have to look and say, is it going to be a high-volume passing offense? Is it going to have the ability to get on the field quickly? Um, and, and so he's somebody who I think, you know, I'm willing to target more than those other guys. Um, Damian Pierce, I know, was getting a lot of momentum uh, through the NFL draft process. Um, I don't know, man. I think he's a jag. Uh, I, I've watched enough Damian Pierce tape uh, where he just doesn't really impress me all that much. Um, I, you know, I, I think he could be a fine NFL piece. Uh, you know, the the biggest thing I've heard about him is he's a great pass blocker, which is great. I appreciate a good pass blocker, but unless you're playing in uh, pl- pass blocks uh, per point leagues, uh, which I don't think any of us are, uh, it, it's not going to move the needle significantly for me. 
And I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Connor Hayward is classified as a fullback. So I'm Connor Hayward classified as him. dust. <laughs> he really like sure. a, a, like a four seven five. Like I'm pretty sure he ran the same forty as like that guy Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle from, <laughs> from Georgia. Like Connor Hayward's not even on my radar, bro. But listen, man, glad- I got, I got sixty five running backs on my on my board here, and Connor Hayward is not one of them. <laughs> so he must I'm have been declared saying. as a fullback. <laughs> that's what I'm yeah. saying, dude. Like I, yeah, I, I not not to trash the question. He's probably no, a Michigan I love, State. Fan. I love the I'm, question because sure, I have. Yeah. I was very close on James Cook and Damian Pierce. So I'm glad to get yeah. your opinion on those two guys. But to Connor Hayward to me is just like I thought we I didn't even know we were discussing that man. So yeah, if you're leaning uh, into upside, it's it's gotta be James Cook for me. And maybe I'm wrong on Damian Pierce. And you know, if he captures top 100 capital and James Cook doesn't, again, we gotta pivot, right? But you know, I just think that there's there's more there. There's more juice there with James Cook. I can put you pulled it up four seven two. Four seven two, and he's two thirty three, and he's twenty three years old. So just yeah, check. he's a fullback. I'm he just throws about. a he just throws a big X in all the boxes where there should be a green check mark, a big red X. Uh, I don't know. I, I rank him. Yeah, rank him somewhere with like CJ Ham and Jacob Jacob Johnson. CJ Ham. <laughs> oh my God, that's awesome. Um, well, let's pivot over to wide receivers, and we were just talking about Power Five guys. Um, let's get into my wheelhouse here, a little FCS action. We'll talk about oh, yeah. uh, the guy that I have drafted probably more than almost any other rookie uh, from my, from here, uh, Christian Watson, my boy from NDSU. So, I mean, I could probably talk for a good hour about Christian Watson, dude. Six four two ten, prototypical size. Dude can move. I mean, dude ran a four three forty. Use deep. I mean, you can use him running in motion, and then just give him handoffs and let him. He had a he had an awesome seventy yard run a couple years ago. I mean, NDSU is very run heavy as it is, but they found ways to get him involved. So, I mean, Christian Watson has been one of the darlings in in this entire draft process, just rising up. Um, uh, do you share the same sentiments as far as Watson? Uh, maybe, maybe he could creep up into well day one love. Yeah, man. Let me tell you, Christian Watson has been a roller coaster. All right, because the first time I flipped on Christian Watson tape, it, it was kind of like when I was going on on one of these, you know, uh, uh, tape benders here. All right, so I'm watching a ton of tape. I'm like, all right, you know, let's get this FCS kid on here. Let's flip on the tape. I don't even look at you know. Normally, I, I you know pull up the measurables, look up the stats beforehand. I was just like, let's roll right into this tape. And I'm watching him. I'm like, man, this kid's kind of good. You know, I, I'm, he's like, I'm like, you know, he's kind of gadgety. You know, he's pretty quick. And and I'm like, yeah, you know, I like his tape review. Uh, you know, you know, give him, you know, score him out with a, with a good score. And then you know, I'm like, oh, let's look up his measurables. I'm thinking he's like five ten, a buck ninety. Like the way he moves around the field, the way that they manufactured touches for this guy, schemed him into into the game. I'm like, it, I look about he's six four two ten, and he gets the damn senior bowl, and they weren't even lying. You know, how, like yeah. every website is lying. <laughs> he measures in at six four, so I'm like, this is fantastic. And so, uh, you know, he gets the senior bowl bid, which was which was great. And then, you know, I had the ability to get my hands on that senior bowl tape this year, the practice tape, and he's the best wide receiver at the senior bowl, and it's not even close for me. You know, the way he's releasing off the line of scrimmage, the way that he is absolutely dominating at the boundary winning at the catch point uh great body positioning um you know and, and those things are really important for me when you're thinking about the senior bowl in particular it's a lot of one-on-one drills with dbs right and these are future nfl dbs so for a guy coming out of the fcs it's really important that we see him ball out so 
you know, that momentum has just built from there. Um, but I got to tell you, it's kind of pissed me off because I thought I was slick in January calling him my sleeper. I thought I was going to get him in the third round of rookie drafts. And now I got to pay up for the man. Um, so I, I worry that we've overinflated his price. So if you're listening to this episode, he's garbage and do not draft him. If you're in my league, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it, it, I'm frustrated now that I got to pay up for him. So It'll be interesting. You know, I still have him projected in the 50 to 102 NFL draft range. I, I know as we get closer, there's hype for him to be a day one pick. And if he is, man, I'll, I'll be ecstatic for him because because I think that he can be an absolute uh, game changer in the NFL. That being said, you know, he is raw. I, I You know, he's got to develop his route running a little bit more depending on what an NFL team asks him to do. Uh, and that's nothing against him. He's playing against FCS competition. So I would just say for folks who are excited about Christian Watson like I am, you know, don't feel like he needs to hit in his rookie year right away in order to be successful, right? Like not everybody's Justin Jefferson or or Jalen Waddell or Jamar Chase. Like let's be a little bit patient with this guy. Um, so hopefully, you know, he doesn't rise above that second round rookie pick value because I think that's kind of the, the break off for when folks stop getting patient with their fantasy rookies. Yeah, so okay. So we're trying to tell people that he's garbage. Here, we'll, we'll clip this. Yes, Christian, yeah, yeah. Christian Watson is Denzel Mims. All right. Oh, all right. Clip that. Clip that. No. And now we can talk about how he's really Randy Moss. And (laughs) (laughs) now I was going to say clip this. He's Antonio Gandy Golden, but I'll let you continue. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. Now we got those. Now we got those out there in the so that we can, you know, we can send those to people lower his draft capital so we can take this guy. I think that this guy's a freak. I want him to go to the Patriots. Um, although if he gets drafted by the Patriots, that means he's going to be bad. So it's kind of a catch 22, but I'm a Patriots that's true. That's, fan. That's an actual fact. Yeah. So I, that's, that's the scary thing is that they took the most, the Nikhil Harry, everyone's can't miss prospect and, and turned him into a miss. You know what I mean? So, uh, but anyway, I, I am a big fan of this guy. I've wanted him to go to the Pats cause they need a prototypical, a prototypical split end, right? This guy to me doesn't seem like the guy that can play special teams, right? Or, or is that kind of guy? I mean, so what you're probably going to see, and which puts him into a risky group, because what you find with the NFL draft is teams get a little scared and they start saying to themselves, oh, well, you know, we'll take this guy because worst case scenario, he can play special teams. I mean, the, the Dolphins came out and said, yeah, we took Jalen Waddle over some of these other guys because he can play special teams, right? And it's like, Worst case, he's a contributing member of the team. Whereas when you take J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and he's this big oaf that's not doing anything and he also can't do anything on special teams, now you're in, you know, now you've completely missed. You know what I mean? Which that is just, that's the most painful thing to these GMs. So uh, that's a guy like Christian Watson. You're taking a big risk as a GM, you know, drafting a guy that he he's either split end or miss, you know. But it, I'm this is the exact kind of guy that I like taking in my, in my leagues because – I play to win for the most part. So a lot of my teams are built to win now. And Dynasty is such a top-heavy game that these middle-of-the-road guys aren't cracking my lineup. You know what I mean? Like there's so many guys – like you have a handful of teams that are competing and a handful of teams that are bad in your Dynasty League. And the teams that are competing, it's like their top three wide receivers are all wide receiver ones, right? So for me and some of my leagues, I have no reason to take some of these guys that are just kind of meh versus a guy that could be amazing. And I think this is that kind of guy. And if he sucks, he sucks, you know? Yeah, one thing that I will say about his style of gameplay is that I think that he can sometimes anticipate the pass too quickly. And so he jumps for the ball too fast. And if that becomes a problem um, and he doesn't really get over that in this first season, then he's going to have to sit 
And so then he would be like a taxi squad addition to your team. That's yeah. not to say. You know ahead. who had that problem is Preston Williams. That's what he would yeah. do is he would jump. He would jump for balls he didn't need to, and he would do all these weird things. I mean, there was one that it was in, the, in his hands in the middle of the end zone. He almost jumped out of the back of the end zone. And everyone's yeah. like, oh, great toe-tap catch. So I, I actually have seen what you're saying, Britt, and that that is kind of scary because those habits, if you don't break them, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how quickly he develops in training camp and in these OTAs and mini camps and things like that. Uh, because if he doesn't break that habit, he's not going to hit the field, at least this season. He might next, but, you know, depending on how much risk you want to put into him or even consider throwing him on your taxi squad, um, just something to think about. Yeah. And, and I will say about Watson too, they, they, NDSU after Lance was dealing with a lot of quarterback issues too, with Cam Miller and uh, Virginia tech transfer uh, Quincy Patterson. So, and even with Trey Lance who didn't really have that refined of a deep ball either. So, I mean, he carried a hot, pretty high a dot when he was, you know, he wasn't really used in the middle of, they would use Phoenix Sproles a lot um, in the middle of the field. They'd have Ben Ellison, Ben Ellison, um, who's, I believe he's a Viking now um, tight end and a couple other guys. So they really used him whenever they weren't running the ball, they were throwing him out there when he wasn't running the ball himself. So, um, so that's something to think about too, but I mean, just the, they Matt Entz head coach fitted um, a lot of the Bison uh, players with the, the speed tracking devices and Watson routinely, you know, he'd hit 22, 23 miles an hour. That's like Raheem Mostert territory. So that's just, you know, kind of icing on the cake. This, the sky is the limit really for Watson. And it's just not a lot of people know him because, you know, a lot of people want to want to poo poo FCS as the, the little sisters of the poor, but Super Bowl MVP Cooper cup. From Eastern Washington. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, don't don't sleep on the FCS. I mean, North Dakota uh, NDSU could you know compete. They uh, you know yeah. with with most Group of Five teams easily. Uh, they choose to be in in the FCS. Just to be clear, and and they. I, pulled, I wish they were. They I wish the board. pandemic hadn't happened because they were supposed to go to Oregon that year. Yes. And yeah, yeah, and that would have been a great game to watch and. I will tell you what, uh, I have found uh, that nobody is more passionate in my YouTube comments than uh, North Dakota State fans, uh, who <laughs> I've been hyping up Christian Watson, but they want him to be my wide receiver one. So uh, <laughs> I can't wait for you to pull those clips. Do it. Do it. Move him oh, up. He only dropped like 13, 14% of his passes, so it'll be fine. Drops don't matter. I mean, look at I, I'm, I actually lead the drops yeah. don't matter charge. So <laughs> yeah, I really can't yeah. be, you know, that's I can't a, be going back on it. You know, the only matter if you get they said about Jalen Rager, right? Uh, oh, next oh. player. Next is going to be this year's Rager? Well, no, 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 no. Well, no, not it's that. not going to be this guy. I, I certainly don't think. I mean, the sky is the limit here with two wise. Oh. That's right. That, that, a championship level segue here for uh, Mr. Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. Uh, not the biggest guy, 5'10", you know, pushing 200 uh, on that doorstep. But, dude, I'm only ran a low 4'4". Um, you know, he's been productive at Western Michigan. I mean, say what you want about the Mac. Um, hashtag action if that's still a thing. I mean, I'm that old. But, oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Sky Moore. I mean, he's he, he's kind of rising up and getting a lot of hype as well. So um, what what are your thoughts on Moore? Yeah, dude, I love I love Sky Moore. Sky Moore's sitting at wide receiver eight for me right now. 
so slightly above these uh, these group of five or FCS guys for me. He's really electric, dude. Very sharp footwork. That's the first thing that stands out for me with Sky Moore. He wins off the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, I'm somebody who in general weighs route running a little bit lower than most folks. However, there's certain elements of route running that I really care about. And that first step and ability to release off the line of scrimmage, create space right away uh, is really important for me. And Sky Moore does that. Uh, he's sharp. He's effective. He puts defensive backs on skates. Um, if I, you know, I can get away with loving a prospect off of one route. If a wide receiver works an in-breaking slant route consistently, I'm sold, right? Like, you can win in the NFL with that one route. And Sky Moore does it so, so well. Uh, you know, one one little caveat that I, I like to talk about with Sky Moore is he was actually recruited to Western Michigan as a defensive back. And if you see the way that he wins and, and beats defensive backs in a variety of ways, you could tell that he used to play defensive back. He really is a high football IQ in that way. Uh, now, the big question with Sky Moore is, is how is he going to be able to translate at, at the next level in the NFL? So Western Michigan used him as a boundary X wide receiver, and he went up and he would win balls, like contested catch balls and dominate uh, as an X wide receiver. But you mentioned his size. Uh, he's not going to be able to be a boundary X wide receiver at the next level, right? So can he work split in? Can he work in the slot? Uh, I think he can be effective, but then where is his volume? Right. So that's going to be the key for Sky Moore. How does he translate his game to not being an X? And how is that volume going to translate for fantasy football? But he's the dude. Uh, and when he went to the combine and, and ran like that and put up those numbers, it was so validating for me. You know, I have Sky Moore as the top 50 selection right now. I, I think he's the guy that could slide into the back end of the first round that might surprise folks. Um, and, you know, I just, man, if he goes to Kansas City, uh, the t- Twitter's just going to melt and I can't wait for it. Yeah. I mean, I look at, I look at this guy, right. I, you know, I do my perusing around the industry. You know what I mean? I ch- check in with the pro football focuses and the player profilers and the relative athletic scores and the random egg guys on Twitter. And everyone has the same comp for this dude, right? Like everyone says golden tape. Like that's what I'm seeing. And like, I, you know, I haven't seen a ton of his tape. I don't. Did he also jump into the marching band against Michigan State? Like, I don't know why every everyone has the same comp. But the the his good thing about that, yeah, I mean, the good thing about that that particular comp for me is that when I'm picking my wide receivers, I go for the high up. I go for the locks first. Then I go for the high upside guys. Then I go for the guys that I know are going to be NFL players because then they're going to have at least tradable value, right? Uh, you know, a guy that they say is, you know, athletic enough, he's Golden Tate, he's probably going to be volume driven, right? That's the kind of guy that I'm comfortable taking somewhere in the second round because I know that now I have an asset that I'm not going to end up dropping to waivers at least for a little bit. And that's going to carry value if I need to package him up or even eventually start my PPR lineup or, or a lineup like that. So uh, this is a guy that for me, I'm right with you. Matt, that I have him, uh, you know, right there in the back end of the the top 10 or so. And I take him once all the high upside, exciting guys are gone. And then once I get through the group that I put Sky Moore in, that's when I just start full guns blazing, taking like, I'm looking for, I mean, I'm looking for guys that are sliding because of off field issues. Like I'm looking for things that, you know, where I can hit home runs on versus taking the boring guys, you know, but this is a guy that, you know, everything I've seen on this guy and heard of this guy and seen from his profile that he's going to be a professional football player. Okay. 
if we can bring back a term that we used many a time. Because <laughs> a lot of these guys, as sad as to say, a lot of these guys are not going to be professional football players. It's it's the truth. You know what I mean? Like Kelvin Harmon is probably not going to be a professional football player. So, or he was, or I don't know what he's doing now. But like a guy like this, he's going to find a spot somewhere. And it's gonna, and the volume is gonna determine, like Matt, like Matt said perfectly, the volume is gonna determine whether he's relevant or not. Yeah, I don't think he's a guy where landing spot can really, like, just completely destroy his value. Um, one thing that I will say, I know I keep like knocking everybody, but you guys are saying all the positives about all these players, but um, his on some of his routes, um, it's kind of easy for the defender to undercut him a little bit because he just doesn't run his route at a sharp enough cut. So that's something to kind of look out for, but it's also something that, you know, obviously he's going to improve upon in the NFL because that's what, what they do. Um, so yeah, I would totally take a flyer on more. I think he's gonna, he's going to be around for a few years. Yeah. I mean, he's probably the guy I've drafted probably the second most. Um, I mean, he, he, he's one of those guys that whenever I go into like next gen stats and I can envision him being in like that, highest average yards of separation like that seems like sky more to me like i can envision seeing his name up there um you know if he's able to transition into the slot because you know he's he's i doubt he's going to be a boundary guy with, with that size like man like you said so i mean it's really i think if he ends up in a spot like uh, god i would love him in green bay with in a, with their two second rounders i would absolutely love that if they were gonna draft a wide receiver in the first take an offensive lineman and then take that guy from central michigan and then go in and get you know a wide receiver in the second too. get sky Moore, get a you know Traylon burks or whoever they want to get and like just call it a day and and i'd be totally happy with that because there'd be a i mean I think he could just probably go in the slot day one for that team. I mean, they're so just bereft of talent, but um, yeah, absolutely love Sky Moore. Uh, very much in on him. Um, another guy that I mean, I was in on him a couple, uh, you know, a couple years ago, and then um, got hurt, uh, had spinal surgery, and just kind of derailed him. Uh, Justin Ross out of Clemson. So um, you know, that's certainly a tough thing to come back from. We know he was. Uh, you know, slated to just be just one of the top receivers until, you know, he had that issue and had that surgery. So um, is that something that you think he can come back from, at least be productive uh, in the NFL with Justin Ross? Yeah, Ross is such a tough case. Um, and I've kind of been like fighting an uphill battle about uh, about Justin Ross, because I think a lot of folks, you know, even, even uh, a month ago, we're, we're still you know, trying to make the argument that he was a second round rookie pick and he's just not, you know, he's, he's a round four round five flyer, depending on how deep your leagues are. You know, you look at his rookie year and you see a great route runner. You see somebody with great hands. Um, you see uh, somebody who is fairly athletic for his size and early breakout age at Clemson. Um, but past the injury, man, uh, the injury is one thing and, and it's certainly concerning, but it's not, you know, career threatening. Uh, you know, they got him back out on the field. He played a full season, but he didn't look good uh, in 2021 either. His his tape was questionable. It was inconsistent. Now, there's rumors that he was playing through a foot injury for most of the season, and obviously that Clemson offense was uh, less functional than we expected to be. But a lot of question marks around Justin Ross. You know, I'm hearing from the NFL side of things, from people that I trust that are dialed in that, you know, he's going late day three or, or undrafted. Um, and so at that point, um, 
you know, we're, we're really kind of, of, of holding on to our former uh, perception of him, which is always a dangerous thing in fantasy football, right? So uh, I want Justin Ross to hit the league. I want him to be good. He's very talented, um, but I'm just not sure that those other factors are going to allow for him to have fantasy relevancy early or probably at all. I'm fully with you on that, man. If he goes fourth, if he goes, if he doesn't go in the third round or earlier, then he's probably he's dead to me. You know what I mean? And the thing with guys like the, sorry to be so blunt, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I'll tell you, <laughs> he's, he's dusty. So, I mean, I don't know, man. You, you'll, we're I, talking Cam Hayward, man. You'll see that I'm pretty <laughs> full back. Might as well get full back. But I just like, um, you know, I'm, I'm just pretty, I'm honest with what the way I evaluate these guys and stuff. And, the thing with uh, that kind of goes back to what you guys were saying that, uh, you know, I'll be quick because I know we're getting close to the time that I said that was a problem for me, but I'll go as late as you guys want to go. But um, basically like guys where people say, oh, well, he's not fast and he got hurt, but he's got good technique. I- I'm like, we don't even know what these NFL scouts want to see. Like we talk about, you see people say, oh, he's got a bad first step or he can't hand check or, you know, he's, he's being undercut. Like the Steelers scouts and the Steelers coach, they seem to have figured out a way to find these guys late in drafts and then make them good. You know what I mean? Like this, for all we know, the Steelers scout might be looking at this guy and say, Hey, he's got that same first step problem that we know how to fix. And they go, ah, we'll get him in the third or fourth. You know what I mean? We'll get him in the second or third. It's like, we don't know what these scouts are looking for. So for me, for someone that says, Oh, his technique is perfect, but he didn't put up good numbers. I'm like, okay, so we're operating at the ceiling for this guy and can't improve. It's just like, Give me the guy that that has the flaws on film, but goes in the second round over the guy that you know had a good rookie year that goes in the fourth. So I'm I'm with you on that. But hey, you know what? If he goes in the second round, then I like him. So because who am I to argue with professional industrial scouting complex either? You know. So if he goes early, I'll be interested. If he goes late, then I won't be. And that's that's why I felt about um, you know guys like Nico Collins. I was like. Nico Collins could be Kenny Galladay if he gets drafted where Kenny Galladay did. If he gets drafted any later than that, then I can't do it. You know what I mean? And I'll even give you the third round comp picks. But if it goes in the fourth, I'm done. I'm out. See, I think that whoever gets Justin Ross at that late round kind of bargain is going to get a diamond in the rough. I think about not even halfway through the season last year, about a quarter way through the season was when that questionable tag started popping up and he basically played with a stress fracture in his foot the entire season. He had surgery like next, next to last week of the year. So I'm pretty sure that he was not hundred percent. He also had a new quarterback who wasn't Trevor Lawrence, who never kind of looked comfortable in that Clemson offense. So I think as an athlete that Justin Ross is way better than where he's going to go in drafts. And I'm willing to take a flyer on him in dynasty. Like I just, I think that he is that good of an athlete. Yeah, I'd rather put my chips in on a guy who has shown he has it at one time than a guy who you're just praying and hoping that he gets it eventually. So, I mean, Ross clearly has had it his freshman season, you know, and then all that stuff happened, you know. It's, it's tough to come back from that, but, yeah, I'm willing to take a shot. Third, fourth, you know, wherever the case, I'd rather take him than take, you know, just a whoever wide receiver running back that might with, you know, a absolute shot in the dark. I'd rather have take my shot on Ross. 
Um, so let's talk about, uh, we got a couple more, uh, wide receivers here. We'll hit those quickly. And then we have, uh, a tight end that we want to talk about. Um, let's talk about Wandale Robinson here. The guy who's, um, actually smaller five, I think he's five, eight. Um, so still smaller. We know he's going to probably end up in the slot, uh, at some point and maybe be a gadgety type guy, but, uh, you know, he, he's got potential. He's very, you know, quick and, you know, sudden that's, uh, as a slot receiver, that's what you like to hear. I mean, guy out of slot receiver out of Kentucky. What do you think about him, Matt? Yeah, you know, I was already uh, kind of off Wandale Robinson even before we saw his uh, even less than desirable uh, measure in. Uh, I mean, you know, Robinson's fun. He's been a great college player to watch as a fan of, of college. He's been, you know, really creative type guy. But you know, uh, I've consistently faded these high manufactured production. Uh, wide receivers, right? These guys who receive a large kind of uh, amount of their target share forced to them at the line of scrimmage, handoffs, uh, you know, really kind of quick passes, uh, because you just don't get that kind of manufactured production, no matter how good you are at college, you just don't get that in the NFL. And so that was one of the reasons I was really lower on Wandale Robinson. Um, and then, you know, certainly with that size, I just think we're going to be really limited with what we're getting from him. I think he's lost that day two draft capital. And so I think he's going to be a day three guy. Uh, I think he's going to be a fun NFL player. So, you know, Robinson's the type of guy I want on my NFL team. I just don't necessarily want on my fantasy football team. Yeah, I'm with you, man. This is Rondell Moore part two, negative dot boogaloo going on here. So <laughs> I think I'm going to, I'm just going to make it quick and say no. No. What? <laughs> that a... almost made sense. Yeah, that was so good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you had me in the first half. If, if that... Rondell Moore is Ant Man, this is like Ant Man yeah. to like half negative half average depth of, depth of target. Rondell Moore had multiple games where he had a negative depth of target, like where he the all the passes were in the backfield, like literally negative yardage. I think his what was Rondell Moore's depth of target in the season, like two or three yards. Like, That's a tremendous stat. Yeah, like it, not good. So for me, exactly what Matt actually said. If you need to generate these like weird gadget plays just to get the guy the ball, I mean, I, mean, I don't know how many gadget plays Rondell Moore needs to get to to jump up his depth of target. And Rondell Moore could be good. And he, like Hick said, he's a, certainly a fun player to watch. It's just too much for me. You're trying to thread the needle too through too thin of a hole, picking these guys that are the size of Andrew Hawkins, like he 178 pounds. So how was he weigh? I mean, it's just like it's NFL. Fuck 80. If that, I don't know, man, I had to rack my brain and I could not think of the guy for the life of me. And I had to cycle through uh pro football reference to find him Dexter McCluster. Like that's oh, like the guy yeah. that like jumped out at me where he could just be that gadgety good for a couple plays. Not really good for much else you know he just won't get the opportunity that's that's the kind of the guy that that he reminds me of rondo moore's average depth of target last year was 1.3 yards <laughs> my gosh and think about I, that one big long bomb and, and listen to this in one <laughs> yeah one two three four five six seven in eight games last year he finished the game with a negative average depth of target the second to last game of this the week 15 his average depth of target was negative 3.7 yards. That's what I'm talking about with the, the having the plays generated for you and drawn up for you is like they have, literally have to walk over to you and give you the ball like they're pinning a note on your chest and sending you off to school. Like 
if you can't beat your guy like man, man to man and downfield, then it's just hard to have a hundred yard game at any point, you know, which mm-hmm. he did, which he didn't. Yeah. And- he's definitely going to be uh, very limited by the scheme and the needs of the team who, that he goes to. Um, not going to say that he can't be this year's St. Brown, you know, go to a slot receiver needy team and just crush it. But uh, no, I don't <laughs> No, I don't think he, I don't think in all reality, he's going to, he's really limited by his size and, you know, he is a slot receiver. I mean, he's yeah, not, that, not really. That, the the note to pin to the jacket got me. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I've been I mean, laughing that, at that for the last uh, two minutes. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I've run out of ways to say it. Like, it's just, I yeah. Don't know. I mean, and he only has nine inch hands. So, you know, that's nail in the coffin right there. Uh, big, speaking of big for his size. Right, he's like that's the guy in the Simpsons. The, I'm tired of everybody talking about my giant hand. <laughs> Let's put it this way, man. I remember I was putting together the thumbnail for my Wandale Robinson video, and I couldn't find a picture that that made him look big. You know, you try to get like a cool photo, yeah. and like he just looks skinny <laughs> in all these. I can't find one. Right, it's like, dude, it's like he could be good. And it's just not the way I play. You know what I mean? It's like, try if you hit, if he is awesome, you hit a ten, the $10,000 jackpot that somebody gets on the $1 scratch ticket. And congratulations. And I'm rooting for him to be good, but I'm just not going to bet on him because I, I just bet on safer players. See, see what you want to do is you want to get that PNG file of like the New York city skyline and then just blow him up. That's, that's, that's forced perspective. That's what you got to do. <laughs> Um, let's talk about another slot receiver who you, we talk about him on Ross St. Brown. I mean, he's almost Jack of all trades, master and none kind of like a Monroe was last season, except the added caveat, uh, that he tore his ACL in December, John Mechie. So, um, we kind of lumping him and maybe that, I don't know if the same class as Wondell Robinson. Cause I think Mechie has a little more skill, um, and a little more, uh, upside, but, um, Uh, The ACL injury definitely hurts him as far as, you know, training camp possibilities. Who knows? Everybody's like Superman now following the Cam Akers uh, recipe here. So um, what do you think about Mechie? Yeah, I I think Mechie's in a a different tier. So I I have Mechie in my flex filler tier, which is, you know, kind of uh, coming in in that 9 to to 13 range this year. So I, I think... You know, he still has that Alabama pedigree. He still has a lot of speed to him uh, as a foundation of his game. You know, if this guy was totally healthy, well, you know, he he wasn't having the best 2021 season before that. But going into 2021, you know, he was thought of as a first-round selection. I, I still think he's a top 100 selection in this year's draft. Uh, you know, I mentioned his speed. He's got a twitchy quickness as well. He runs well east and west just as much as north and south. He's got a, a good first step. And uh, he's able to beat defensive backs and separate well downfield. So, you know, I, I think there's more to Mechie's game. I don't think he's going to need that manufactured production, um, you know, necessarily at the level of Wandale Robinson. But, you know, somebody who, you know, doesn't necessarily excite me, but checks enough boxes that I can't write him off yet. So, you know, uh, kind of somebody that I'm just trying to keep on my radar, but that, you know, if I'm asked, you know, who who do I want to talk about? It's rarely John Mechie. Bingo. Like he's that uh, he's if he gets drafted high enough, maybe he's a sky more type where you take him and you hope that he becomes a flex, like you said. Otherwise, I think that Amon Ross St. Brown is a good example that he could be 
a good yeah. pick and flip type guy, right? Where like if he lands in the right spot, he comes from Alabama where you're getting NFL caliber coaching. So he's going to be polished enough to potentially do something right away and pick and move. I mean, we've seen this a million times going all the way back to like Mike Williams in 2010 where he had the best rookie year of all the rookies, but he wasn't the best career-wise. You know what I mean? He got he was he was the best rookie in, two, in the draft class that had Des Bryant, Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Antonio Brown, Eric Decker. Like he was the best one, but it was because of his landing spot. Like Mechie's that kind of guy where if he goes the right landing spot, I'm thinking, let's do a quick flip here. You know, grab, you know, he has 700 yards and then you move. Yeah, and he's not limited by that designation of just a slot receiver. You know, he can play all over the field and he does have a little bit more size. Um, I'm just I'm really interested in that ACL because it was so late in the season. You know, he's not going to be ready to do all this rookie mini camp training camp things that most of the other rookies are going to. So just um, kind of keep that in the back of your mind when you're thinking about how high or low you want to select him. I give you my take real quick on ACLs uh, after Jeffrey Simmons tore his ACL in February and went first in the first round still, even though we had like a video out of him punching a woman and Jeffrey Simmons turned out to be awesome. Like if a team drafts a guy with a torn ACL early, then I assume they did their due diligence and I'm not going to discount the guy. So that goes for Mechie. That goes for Jamison Williams. It goes for any of these guys. Like if the teams have done their due diligence and they're not concerned. Cool. If they, if he falls in the draft though, I'm assuming that, it, you know, I'm going to assume worst case. For sure. Um, absolutely. Uh, the always wise Mr. Andrew Cooper. Um, one Speaking of Andrew Cooper, we, we got a tight end to talk about here. A, a, a certifiable grown-ass man, Jelani Woods. Former quarterback uh, for Oklahoma State, Jelani Woods. I mean, he's he's racking up almost Mo Alley Cox kind of, uh, you know, almost 6'8". 260 like uh yeah i mean did he play basketball too is that is that the narrative we're trying to spin around here but yeah i mean dude is just i mean he ran a four six on that frame like that's absolutely just maniacal for for somebody to do that um i mean is he like the best size speed kind of profile where if he lands in the right spot and gets the right type of coaching that he could be like just a fantasy you know, dominator at the position. You know, you mentioned basketball. Imagine if he was on your ultimate Frisbee team. Like this guy could just absolutely wreak havoc. Um, You know, it's this year's tight end class. I mean, there's, there's Trey McBride and then there's like, take whichever stab in the dark, get you, get you fired up. You know what I mean? So if it's Jelani Woods for you, more power to you. Uh, you know, he's down there at my tight end seven right now. Uh, depending on landing spot, he could be tight end two by the time, you know, the NFL draft is over. So it, it's so hard. He's athletic. He's big bodied. Um, you know, he accelerates well for his size. Clearly you talked about his, his 40 time. And, yeah, you have to keep in mind, you know, he is a former quarterback. He's recruited to play quarterback in college. He had the the Oklahoma State uh, scholarship there, and he really only balled out uh, in one year for Virginia. So there's rawness there, and we've seen guys come out of even the fifth round of the NFL draft. I think he goes higher than that. But we've seen tight ends, you know, come out of the fifth, sixth round and be fantasy relevant. So it's a position where you can fade draft capital uh, a little bit more than some others especially when you're thinking about a raw or developmental guy. Um, but, you know, when you're looking at a Jelani Woods versus 
uh, somebody like a Peyton Hendershot or even a Jake Ferguson to a degree, you know, you might as well go for the athletic type guy instead of somebody who might get better draft capital as a blocker in the NFL. Dude, I, I just can't stop thinking about the ultimate frisbee comment. Like, <laughs> just but like you guys both go for the frisbee and you collide, you run into him and just like your your soul leaves your body like a cartoon ghost, and he's just standing there with the frisbee. Like that's, yeah, that's how notice. that would go down. Yeah, I mean, I love the narrative on this guy. Uh, I have to shout out uh, Linda Linda Godfrey because she's she's a huge Oklahoma State fan, and she was like, "This guy came to us as a quarterback. We turned him into a tight end. We don't even use tight ends." So, like, that whole thing of him not breaking out early, I don't care. You know what I mean? He went to Virginia. He showed he can play. If a team takes him, and then like Hicks said, draft capital doesn't matter to me at this position, you know, because we've seen – I mean, look at the top tight ends in the league. You know, it's like the best ones are Kelsey and Andrews in their third round. George Kittle is like a fifth-round pick. Like, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. I mean, Darren Waller was a sixth-round wide receiver. Logan Thomas was drafted as a quarterback. Like, these guys are not – you know what I mean? They're not – like – there's like two tight ends that were actually drafted high. It's like Hawkins. You know what I mean? So I don't care about draft capital. What I care about is a team takes him and puts him on the path to the pass catching side of the tight end tree because it's, you know, it's a room nowadays, right? You get the blockers, you got the pass catchers, you know, every once in a while you still have a, a George Kittle who does it all. And then you just have a backup. But if he goes somewhere like Hunter Long did where they have Gasecki and they put him into this, drawn out long you have to learn to block first and then someday you know you become the tight end like i'm not looking for the next delaney walker that sits behind vernon davis for seven years and breaks out at 30 years old like <laughs> I, I just i don't have the time i don't have the roster spots i do not have the time you know what i mean so like i don't want martellus bennett i want dude i want a guy that goes to a team that has the clunkiest possible tight end as their starter and this guy they're like hey we got this clunky dude we got max williams over here you're just going to be the guy that catches passes you know what I mean? So, like, that's kind of what I'm interested in. I, I want to know that he's got that path because the last thing you want is for him to go to, you know, God forbid Adam Gase ever comes back, but Gase is a guy that would make every single one of his tight ends block on one-fourth of the pass plays, and that includes Julius Thomas. You know what I mean? Mike Kosecki was blocking on 18% of the pass plays. Like, I, I just need him to go somewhere where I know that they're going to look at this guy and say, you're going to catch passes, you know? So that's what I'm looking at with this guy and every tight end, you know? So – I, that's where I'm at. But I, I mean, I, I love the narrative of like, he didn't get it. He, you know, he finally got a chance to be a tight end and he did good. So. Yeah. His, his numbers that he put up at Virginia, um, he got a 15% target share or target percentage, um, 70 targets in the 11 games that he played. He had eight touchdowns and he had a 63% completion rate. I mean, this guy can catch passes. Um, he also has a really small lower body as if you can say a six, seven dude has a small lower body, but in comparison to the rest of his frame, his lower body is a little bit smaller, which makes him kind of more ineffective as a blocker. And that's why I think if he does get drafted, he is going to be drafted specifically for a pass catching role. So I'm even willing to reach for him before I see a landing spot, because I think that that role has been proven that he can do it and his skill set and just his build show that that's what he's equipped to do. So I like that planting the flag before the draft capital. Love it, Brent Flynn. And I'm sure Linda loves that too. <laughs> Clip it. <laughs> Clip it. Fed it to her. Yeah. We, we, we love our grown ass men and nobody loves grown ass men more than I do. So, I mean, if he follows like the Julius Thomas path where the Duke gets drafted in the fourth round, fifth round and sits for a couple years and then ends up just, you know, finding a role and bowing out. 
great. He's probably going to be one of those guys that he's not going to produce right away. You have to have a little bit of patience because he's still got to develop. I mean, clearly he's raw as a tight end, but you know, these are guys that are, that come in as lumps of coal to be formed into a diamond. And that's pretty much, that's him to a T. I'm here for it. Yeah. We're here. We're digging in the content mines. We got to, you know, we got to find those diamonds. You got to do what you got to do. All right. Oh, well, I think we, uh, we nailed a lot of good prospects here. I mean, I could, like I said, I could talk for Chris, about Christian Watson for hours and hours here. But uh, Matt, appreciate you coming on, man. Plug all your stuff, everything you're doing there for your uh, YouTube channel, Patreon. Um, plug away, man. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate. Uh, this is a fun conversation to have. I know we're keeping Coop up, but you know, I'm glad that he hung on with us. Um, I'm just I'm going to bed right. Mighty big in you, Coop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say for these plugs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, listen, if you listen to uh, an hour uh, of this content, then you're probably interested in the stuff I'm putting out there. Uh, you know, this is this is rookie season. I do rookie analysis uh, 365 all year round. Uh, rookie Big Board on YouTube, on your podcast network as well, or your favorite pa- podcast provider. I got about 40 rookie profile episodes breaking down the, the top guys in terms of their college background, their stats, uh, as, as well as film review and fantasy football translation. Each of those profiles is about eight, eight to nine minutes long. So I like to keep them short, everything you need to know about your top prospects. Uh, you know, I got a uh, full uh, ranking system set up here for the rookies. I have 90 uh, finished player evaluations this year. If you want to get access to those rankings as well as the Discord channel and just drop the 2022 rookie guide as well, that's over there at patreon.com slash the FF educator. It's uh rankings are just three bucks in a month, and uh the, the guide is just six bucks total. It's 130 pages of, of rookie content insights. So uh if you're into the rookie content, into you know, figuring out how to win your drafts, uh, you know, I would direct you over there. It's I, I love this content. This is my favorite time of the year, but I I'm you know, studying these guys from September all the way through and, and just picking up as much as I can on them. Awesome stuff, man. Pre- yeah, appreciate everything you do. Definitely go check out uh, the Rookie Big Board YouTube channel because it's great stuff. It's very comprehensive and uh, definitely definitely worth the uh, investment to uh, learn about a lot of these rookie prospects uh, coming into the NFL draft. Um Again, Matt, thank you so much. It was a pleasure as always. We had you on last year. I'm sure we'll uh, give you a call this time next year and uh, have you back on. We'll talk about um, all the other grown-ass men at, at tight end and all the little slot receivers and uh, throw <laughs> well, in some more of Monroe St. Brown uh, shade. Wide receivers we think would be good fullbacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't wait to talk about Cam Hayward I, next year too. Yeah. I'm going to start thinking about every player in terms of how they would be at fantasy at uh, – at, um, Ultimate Frisbee. I think yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's a new scale. That's, that's moving. Wandell right Robinson getting crushed on every scale. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, how was Wandale on the Ultimate Frisbee model? He's, he's quick. Hey, right? he, or he's I don't not know, even. man. I don't know. got to have the reach. Yeah. Well, you can't put him against Jelani. You know, you need to <laughs> no. you, you need to match him up against some of these short, shorter guys. If he hopped on Jelani's shoulders, though, they'd be unstoppable. <laughs> yeah, you just get a, get a big trench coat. You, yeah, yeah, the trench coat deal. Yep, exactly. Oldest trick in the book. That's the name of the episode. <laughs> ultimate Frisbee trench coat trick. Classic <laughs> ultimate Frisbee trick. Classic. And then Jelani Woods takes his like shirt off. And, I mean, the tiny upper body just says Acme on it. <laughs> Maybe that's why he has a small lower body because Wandale's on the bottom. 
Yeah, well, I mean, what's bigger, his small lower body or Wandale's entire body? It might, it might just well, that's for a whole nother episode. Hey. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, once we get, once we get Coop's model, uh, for the ultimate frisbee rookie prospects, we will, uh, definitely get you back on here and we'll, uh, we'll go through these for a couple hours. We'll set away, put away some time to, uh, talk about that. But, uh, next week, yeah, man. Uh, again, Matt, thank you so much for uh, for coming on. We will talk about uh, we're going to do a best ball draft next week uh, on underdog and talk a little uh, pre-draft ADP and uh, just see what's going on in that wacky world of underdog best ball. Of course, use code lightning uh, on underdog where you get up to $100 matched on your first deposit. So go uh, do that. Uh, we will see you next week for that draft. We will post it on uh, Twitter uh, if you want to get in uh, with this uh, this fun crew here. Uh, we will post it up. Be a lot of fun. We will see you guys next week. Um, Britt, you can say it this week. Doodles. <laughs> <laughs>